Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in this corner, Eddie Gagner. And in the opposite corner, Kristen Gagner. <laughs> this is What's Special About Special. Uh, I wanted to say that. Well, hello there. My name's Eddie Gagnon. <laughs> Eddie, I don't want to be here all night. Welcome and thank you for joining us. My name's Eddie Gagnon. <laughs> that was perfect. Kristen. Your voice. Hey, listeners, welcome to the show. It was really great to speak with a guest in the unique position of a sibling and a caretaker this week. Yeah, and I found it interesting to see how a sibling is working to expand the social community for her brother and for others with special needs. Yeah, this is a great listen for any sibling, caretaker, or anyone looking for new connections. Please check out our social media for all the resources mentioned in this episode, and don't forget to share us with a friend. So today we'd like to welcome to our show, uh, Juliana Featherman, who is the CEO of Making Authentic Friendships app, which is, uh, seems like a very awesome app. So I can't wait to hear all about it. Welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. So we'd like to really just kick it off with kind of learning a little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about your personal story. Where are you from? How are you connected to the special needs disabilities community? So I am from Long Island, New York, and I have a brother. He is two years younger than me, so he just turned 22, and he has autism and ADHD. Obviously, growing up, my life was different than most other people my age and people with, like, normal siblings. Um, I just was forced to grow up really fast and be super mature and help out a lot at home and, you know, kind of like be a parent from a young age. Um, so I just really think it changed so much about me and what I've become as an adult. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, difficult at times, of course, but it's given me truly all of my best attributes, patience, kindness, empathy. Um, I'm really, really close to my parents because of the fact that we've always had to make decisions regarding my brother together. Um, and just our whole family is so close. And I totally credit that to my brother having special needs. And, you know, it's definitely the silver lining. Did your parents really like have all of you incorporated in all decision making, like even when you were younger? I mean, when I was younger, not so much like the logistics stuff, I guess, but just like I was just I was like obsessed with my brother since the day he was born. And even before I knew he was like different, I just, I feel like I always knew like inside. Yeah. <laughs> well, plus, I feel like two years age difference. It's like a new baby comes in and it's just like, yeah. and you're, especially when you're that young, you just like you end up being so close. Like it's just like something to take care yeah. of, something yeah. to play with. <laughs> I was just so like attached to him all the time. Um, but as he got older and like guardianship and now like, through the state funding and stuff, I'm just really involved because God forbid something happened to my parents, obviously I would take over everything. So yeah, even in like high school, like I went to all his IEP meetings and stuff just because I wanted to make sure I knew everything that was going on in case I had to take over. Wow. That's pretty, that's... was that your decision or is that something your parents kind of set into motion? No, it was my decision. I 
just know that it would be such a big responsibility if it happened. So I just wanted to make sure always that I was the most prepared I could be, um, you know, cause it's such a big deal. Yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. I mean, we have two kids and with Eddie, especially and his needs, I think I think a lot about, okay, who would help kind of coordinate everything. And Annabella is, four years older, four years older. (laughs) I had to think about that. No, it's four years. So she's four years older. And I think all the time, like how much should we keep her kind of involved in his, like just convert. And we try to keep him really involved in the conversations too. So, you know, if there's decisions about surgery or anything, and if it's elective, because we do, there's a lot of opportunities for like elective type surgeries that aren't necessarily needed, but can maybe help his quality of life or something like that we will keep, we'll almost have a conversation with like everybody as a family unit and say, how do you feel about this? You know, obviously ultimately we're the decision makers, but I think it's important to kind of give them a voice. I think it doesn't happen enough because God forbid, like you said, something happens. They have to have that kind of strength and wherewithal to say, okay, I can make decisions on this and I can be supportive of my sibling or anything like that. So it's really cool that you kind of proactively put yourself in that place. Did it make it difficult on the flip side? Like, did you feel like having that added responsibility affected you in a negative way at all? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I do have like a lot of anxiety and other things, you know, as I, I mean, I've always had it, but you know, as I get older, I definitely have a lot of anxiety and stuff. And I think, it's cause like I always put a lot of pressure on myself and that kind of like carried out to my adult life. And, you know, yeah. that always was so great for me. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to say if I would have been like that anyway, or, right. you know, I mean, right. it definitely like adds to it. Obviously it's like a stressful thing. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of pressure. And I always feel very like pretty much in every decision I make trying to like, it's like having a kid, you know, like yeah. trying to like make those decisions with that in mind. It just, you know, definitely adds stress, but I wouldn't like change it, you know. All right. Is it just you two? Do you have any other siblings? Just us. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, all, that's that what our house looks like. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you find that there were any unique challenges other than that, really, um, as a sibling of somebody with a, a special needs or disability? Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, obviously the friendship thing, which is what I'm trying to fix, like me going through middle school, high school, you know, being on the cheer team and having so many friends and always having like things to do and him not having that definitely was difficult for him and for us as a family, just because it affected his mental health so much Yeah, that it just made everything else worse too. Um, and you like become his friend and that, yeah. that reminds and I feel on like you guilty, like going out, you know, having yeah. things to do. And then like he, him being home and I know he's like upset. So that was kind of like why I created the business I created. Um, but yeah, obviously there's a lot of issues like that. Like yeah. It's just like around him not being able to do normal things. Yeah. Uh, and that's like the hardest part. Any yeah. unique special moments as a sibling? I'm trying to think. There's obviously a lot. I just can't think of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your normal life, right? You're like, it's all great. 
Yeah, literally. Um, tell us about your brother a little bit about his diagnosis, kind of how that's affected him throughout the years. Um, he is, you know, high functioning, verbal, everything like that. He just needs more like prompting to like do everyday tasks, brush his teeth, take a shower, eat. Like if we didn't tell him to do that stuff, he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. Those executive um, functioning skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. Hopefully you could put that noise out. I don't know why he's coming down here. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, mostly just like day to day stuff is more hard for him, but you know, we're very fortunate that he can talk and communicate and, you know, obviously he doesn't always know like how to communicate his feelings. So that gets hard. Just like if he's feeling upset or even like feeling sick, like he doesn't know how to like explain that. And like he acts out because of that. Um, So that's like a difficult part, but I think just so much, so much of his anger and issues comes around just wanting to have a girlfriend, wanting to have friends, wanting to drive, wanting to do all these like things that he's supposed to be doing right now, but he just like, yeah. And I think he just gets like so frustrated with himself. Especially when like you're in a position where you're seeing it happen around you. Mm -hmm. It's harder to, I mean, in general, it's hard to connect as like, you know, adolescents, early twenties, it's hard to connect with people and make those connections and find someone that you kind of vibe with. And then you add the additional, you know, issue with some social skills or some other things in communication. It's def. it can, I can imagine like if you're, you know what's happening. You just can't really get to that point. It's got to be pretty frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I completely get that. Yeah. So tell us um, a little bit about or tell us about making authentic friendships in the app itself. So making authentic friendships, um, well, as it stands right now, is a web app that enables children and adults with special needs to make friends based on their age, diagnosis, interests, and geographic location. Um, I obviously started it because my brother was very lonely, not having a lot of people to connect with, especially people who kind of were on the same level as him. Um I mean, he was always in like special ed classes, but a lot of the other kids were more severe or just like, you know, they just didn't have a lot in common. Yeah. Um, So building, making authentic friendships was more about finding people that are on similar levels, whether that's like abilities or just having similar interests, because obviously we all want to be friends with people who are, you know, similar to us and, you know, you have things in common with. And I think that's like a really hard thing with special needs because it's like, especially with autism, it's such a broad spectrum where, you know, someone might have autism also, but it's just like so different for everyone. Um, So my thought process was that there's got to be people around us that actually are in the same position, but we just don't have a means of like finding them. So... Yeah. And I was in college at the time at Sacred Heart University. I was the president of the autism club there, loved it and didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at the time. So that's when I was like, well, if I could start a business around something my brother needs, then I could ultimately be the president of the autism club in the real world. So then I did. That's awesome. That's that's tremendous. Now, really, at what point? I mean, I know it came from seeing your brother, you know, have a need and you wanting to kind of fulfill that need for him and and be supportive for him. But at what point were you like, oh, I have this idea. I want to start a business to like I'm doing this. Like, I know that everybody probably is like, you know, I wish there was this app or I wish there was this, you know, opportunity for my sibling. But at what point were you like? 
I'm doing this. I'm going for it. Kind of what was that shift for you? I mean, I'm a very like, you know, ambitious person. And like, for me, when I have something in my mind, I like, am going to do it pretty much. So, I mean, you're right. A lot of people think of ideas and think like, oh, I wish there could be this and then don't do it. But for me, like, it was never really a question. Like, I just, you know, when I want to do something, I do it. And that's it. Whether it's like something really small or something really big. And I think that's hard for some people, obviously. And I think, you know, people can learn from that because I decided to take a leap of faith and do something that I believed in. And it's obviously been difficult, like getting to where I am today, but it has definitely been worth it. And I've been able to help a lot of people and, you know, I'm not like Facebook, but I also have thousands of users that I could help. And that's what matters the most, you know? So it's just like thinking about the big picture, not getting too in your head um, about the little stuff and just got to keep trucking on, you know? Yeah. So tell how, so how long from like idea to like where you're at now, how long did that take? It's been four years. Wow. I was a junior in college when this started and now I'm a year out of grad school. Um, so it's been four years from like initial idea to now, but the web app's only been launched a year. Okay. And before that, pretty much like a year and a half before that we were raising money. We did crowdfunding like you guys, um, building social media presence around it, which was really helpful in proving our concept. And yeah. And then finally, you know, after getting an investor and looking for the right app developers after like three years, we did the web app and actually this week we're starting to do the transition to the actual app. That's super exciting. Yeah. Well, I think that's like a, you know, that says something about like, you know, people might have an idea for something and then maybe feel discouraged that it would be too hard. But the reality is like it might take some patience to get to that point. But it's like I know like I've seen it with other people. who've talked. It's just like a slow progression. Like take every little positive thing and be like, okay, we made this now and now we're on to this because these ideas are important. And if someone just says, oh, I, I wish there was this and no one's proactively kind of trying to get it going i mean yeah it's all about people just like taking action and like i said just believing in yourself and believing your in your idea enough to act on it um and i would have never thought four years ago that i would like i was in forbes i did cnn hln today so many crazy crazy things and it's just it's insane. And people are like, how are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you're going to school so. and you're getting, you know, in grad school. I think that's a lot to handle while yeah, doing I mean, all this. It definitely is. It just, you just do it. You know, like people always say like, how do you do it? Like, I don't think about it. You know, if you just want to do something and don't make excuses, you can do it. It's just, yeah. And that's perfect. That's awesome. So now when you guys, when initially starting everything up, did you have to do like a lot of research and development? Like as far as like what's really going to work or do you feel that this kind of naturally organically kind of takes its place as long as you designed it where you have those four genres, do those four genres like really, uh, kind of, you know, uh, bring everybody to. <clears throat> yeah. Like, was there a point that like, it was, okay, we're going to do age and diagnosis and that's how we're going to help everybody. Or it was it like, and then someone said, you know, I wish that we could do location or did you kind of have, did you have to do a lot of work to that? Or was it kind of just set? 
I mean, obviously being exposed to my brother my whole life. And then also I did a lot of work with like working one-on-one with other autistic individuals and other people with special needs. Michael works at a place that employs 75% people on the spectrum. So we have a lot of family friends and, you know, just so many people in our lives that are affected by this type of thing. Um, And we're just like really in the community. Um, So and plus I was the president of the autism club at the right. time. So we did mentoring and, you know, I was just around it so much that I just right away knew like what I wanted it to be and, you know, what would work best. Obviously I pivoted a little bit as time went on and, you know, we started developing and whatnot, but I think like from idea, like the first business plan I wrote to now four years later, not much has changed. Like the basis of what I wanted is what I have. Um, it's just been more like the little details that have changed, mm-hmm. but I didn't really do much research. Like I said, I mean, besides outside of like my personal circle, um, you know, running it past people we know and stuff, but I was pretty set on everything right away. Um, but as we move into the actual app, I'm actually doing some work with a psychologist to be oh, who's wow. in grad school and she's doing research on my app actually and That's just awesome. like what works and you know what people like and what people don't like so I mean I get a lot of feedback in general obviously people reaching out to me personally or through reviews and stuff people telling me oh we like this we don't like this this works this doesn't work yeah um so obviously like it's not like I don't know you know and I use that feedback to make changes as necessary absolutely um but yeah, it's, you know, a growing process and totally people have good suggestions sometimes and people have not good suggestions. <laughs> so it's just a matter of, yeah. you know, figuring it out. Yeah. How, um, so tell us step, walk us through, like if, if, if I was someone who was interested in using the app, what are the steps that someone goes through as they're, you know, from start to beginning to get in onto the app and how they be using it? So if you're going to sign up, um, you would go to makingauthenticfriendships.com right now. And that's the landing page where you could see all of our media, learn about me and my brother, all that. And then on the top right, you can sign in or sign up. Um, if you're signing up, we're going to ask you a series of questions, obviously. Name, birthday. Um, you have to be 13 years old to make a profile for yourself. But if you're under 13, a parent can make it on your behalf. That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that, like, I, I knew that you're site said 13 and up, but I think it's awesome that like younger kids can still be a part of it as long as they're what we would want their parents to be involved as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's because of like child protective laws and whatnot that we have to do that. Um, but it's nice for parents to still be able to make play dates or whatever. Um, right. But that's like one of the first questions we ask also, because parents can also sign up for themselves to meet other parents. Oh, there you friends. go. That's what we need. Uh, <laughs> so in the first page, it asks, you like what you're signing up as so you're either like a general user or you're a parent or caregiver um or you could be both but um so then obviously the sign up process is going to differ a little bit depending on whether you're signing up as a parent or a user but if you were signing up as an actual user like i said we're going to ask you your birthday we're going to ask you your zip code um so we could find people around you obviously uh we ask for an email address where you get your notifications as well as a phone number if you're in the united states so you can get texts like updates on like if you get messages and stuff oh that's cool and then we're gonna ask you um 
your diagnosis and we list like 16. So it's any intellectual or physical uh, disability. And then there's an other in case your yours isn't listed there. And then we ask you like how hard it is for you to make friends so we can get a feel for that. And then lastly, we ask interests, interests. <laughs> so there everything on there is like drop down menus nothing you have to type in in an effort to be the most user friendly as possible nice. but it's mostly just like general interest sports music movies um so you click three of those and then the last question is something you'd like to do with a friend so that's things maybe out in the community bowling movies stuff like that and then the last thing is you create an avatar that looks like yourself so it's like oh, a cute. emoji um choose your hair color, skin color, clothing, all that. And then you sign the terms and conditions and then that's it. You could see people around you. Um, at first it was showing you everyone on the whole app, but now since we have a lot more users, it shows within a 30 mile radius. Oh, perfect. And you know, if you're in like New York or like somewhere like California, Texas, there's a lot. So people should show up obviously. But if you're in like a more spread out type of area, there's a button that says load more friends. And then every time you click it, it just opens your radius by 30 miles. Oh, cool. So then you could eventually find people obviously. And you know, it's nice because people could also like chat people. Like it doesn't have to be just people near you. Like I know when we were showing everyone, people were chatting with people like across the world, which is really cool. Um, Yeah. And then, more you use it you earn coins for your avatar and in the chat there is conversation prompts so that helps people get ideas of how to like make and keep conversation because that's like really hard for a lot of these individuals so that's like my favorite part I was going to say, there's so many layers to, to that app. Yeah, I know. Incredible. When I'm explaining it, it like seems so complicated, but it's just like. Well, it's honestly, as a parent, it's like a yeah. relief to hear that there's so much that your app can help with. When you talk about like you know, the parents being able to have other parents to communicate to, which honestly was our big reason of starting this whole podcast exactly. because parents parents are Need a honestly, community. but they're always advocating for their children they're always fighting for their children and it's always like surrounded by their children and their children's special needs and it's like at some point these parents need we need a release you know and so well, that's I just incredible that just that part i mean i think um, too as a awesome. caregiver it gets really lonely people don't really realize that because you're just so involved in whatever's happening you know you end up kind of losing a little sense of self self and friendships and things like that. Because I know for us, like a lot of people that we were friends or close with before we got into this world, we just don't have the same things in common anymore. Now our lives priorities are all just different. It's okay. It's just different. But when that happens, you kind of lose connections with other adults and other parents. And so I think it's really great that like, there's this opportunity to not only connect your children or whoever you're a caregiver to, but it's also an opportunity to kind of connect yourself, which I think is thoughtful to think of. Yeah. I mean, I completely hear that. My parents go through the same thing. And like, now that Michael's older, he's like 22 and you know, he can't, I mean, he can stay alone, but like, you know, it's not like the best thing. So like if my parents go out to dinner or something and I'm not around, then usually my brother just goes with them and they've lost friends over that because people don't get it and are like, well, why does he have to come? And like, you know, it's like, whatever. Like why does your 22 year old son have to like come to dinner? (laughs) Yeah. Date night. (laughs) But 
you know, it just, it is what it is. And people who don't understand that, unfortunately, just, they can't be friends with them, you know? Yeah. Um, Which, like, my parents don't want to be friends with them anyway if they feel that way. But that's beside the point. Um, Well, too, I think you just, like, choose, You it sometimes happens unintentionally. Like, I think many times we'll say, oh, that's not really going to work because we're going to want to spend time with those people. And, like, like we've said it a million times. Oh, we're going to set up a date night. And then our lives kind of just happen. And it's really difficult to schedule that. And so slowly it kind of just falls away your connection with those people. It's not intentional. You're not intentionally like separating from certain people. It just kind of organically happens. You know, it it plays out. And that's kind of the thing. It's like when you're building relationships like this, this app um, and and building relationships is huge because uh, when you have somebody to communicate to, you have the ability to, you know, release those frustrations and anything that may be like festering inside your own brain. I know we talk about that all the time. Just being able to communicate is huge. And so having an outlet where you can do that, where it's, you know, you have that assistance to get there. It's you're not forced to have to go out in public and be like, well, here's, you know, putting myself, making myself very vulnerable. Um, and hopefully I won't get like rejected or anything. This is a very easy, it seems like it's a very easy, um, setup to where, you know, there's no feeling of vulnerability in that, Yeah, you know, which I mean, even on like the Instagram, that's been like such a big thing for us. Like now we have like 13,000 followers and most of those people are, you know, parents and caregivers and siblings. And it's just like such a nice thing because like either I'm posting and people are commenting and having conversations about things or like people are messaging me or messaging each other through my community on like social media. Um, So if it's not even on the app, it's just really nice to be able to have that community as well. Now, is there a charge? Is there like a charge to use the app or a subscription or anything like that? Or this is completely no cost? Not right now. Okay. Um, once we launch the actual app, I do believe we're going to switch over to subscription. Um, but nothing is like decided yet. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, in order to kind of keep it going and grow it, there must be some yeah. sort of level of. And it's not going to be anything like crazy, obviously. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Um, you mentioned that you can like earn coins through using the app different ways. Yeah. What can they then do with those coins? Uh, so as it stands right now, um, you could just like buy stuff for your avatar. That's <laughs> yeah, cute. But, like a yeah, Roblox. <laughs> yeah, literally. In the future, um, you know, maybe it'll actually translate to like real life discount on subscription or something. I'm not sure. I mean, I've thought about it, but, you know, it's all kind of yeah. kind of make that transition now. So yeah. I think well, the be, possibilities are endless. I just realized, you know? like, I think it'd be really cool if I like earn coins and then you can like earn like a $5 gift card to like the local bowling place, like to keep them like yeah. incorporated and in being yeah. social and getting out yeah. and making friends. Pretty, I don't know yeah. how you would do that logistically. Well, because then there's, I mean, like my brain just goes crazy thinking about it. I'm just like, oh, because then you can bring it, you know, like you have it at school and you can have it in these <laughs> different areas where again, like caregivers out there can be using it as well. So it's like the parents and the caregivers are working simultaneously and they're going to be like, oh yeah, so we, we got this connection and we have this friend and like. I'll be right. honest though, like just the, the coins or, you know, aka like points type system. Like I think it's great because it encourages them to do more with making yeah. friends. Like I know like with, with the kids, they have like this school app called class dojo. And every time they'll get like, they do something at school and the teacher notices it or they get their assignment done. They get like five points and they don't do anything. The same thing. I don't think they can do anything with the points. They just have them. But the like the, party. the kids will be like, I got five more points today. Yeah. I'm like, okay. It's exactly. just the reward process. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so That's you awesome. had mentioned that, 
you like, you know, you're putting in your statistics really, I guess, on who you are, your demographic and all of those things. And is it, is it still like when you're seeing that group of people, is it still showing everyone? So for example, you know, if you had a 13 or a 14 year old on there, are, is it still available to connect them to anyone like the adults too, or does it keep them in their little like bucket? So as of right now, um, everything on there is deciphered by color. So there's like different color, like droppers. So it's like the Google drop mm-hmm. on the map. Um, and like general users are blue. So that's just like individuals and then parent or caregivers are purple so that you could like know who to chat with kind of, mm-hmm. um, and the algorithm is built to actually match you with people who are like similar to you. But as we built the database over the past year, we've just like let people decide on their own. Mm-hmm. Like you could click around and say like, you know, if you just like put your mouse over a, a dropper, it pops up the person's name, gender, uh, diagnosis and interest. So then you could like decide if you want to chat them or not. Um so yeah, it's up to them right okay. now. That's but awesome. once we do the app, it's going to like tell you who your matches are. But then also you could also chat with like whoever you want. I believe we're going to offer both. Yeah, I was just curious. Like I know for us, like, well, part of me wonders about the safety issue of it. But the other part of me wonders, like, you know, for Annabella looking for connections with friends, she connects better with someone who's older, like, you know, high school, college age, even though she's 12, 13. If it just, she connects, I feel like she connects better because that's where she's at in her head. Yeah. So. I'll need sibling thing. Yes. You need a sibling page. <laughs> that's how I am too. Yeah. I think that's the well, thing. Is the, she's a caregiver. Yeah. The expectation was that you were exactly. kind of the, that, the additional caregiver in the house. And that just kind of, you know, just launches you off into adulthood essentially when you have to have the responsibilities of that forethought like kids typical 12 year olds aren't thinking about that you know like well well her work and she worries if his alarm goes off i have to tell him you know hey eddie your alarm's going off so time for your medicine or time for you know your stuff well we've we've repeatedly i can't tell you how many times probably a day we have we'll be out somewhere or whatever and we'll be like in a parking lot and I have my eyes on both kids. I'm being a parent, but you know, Eddie, I'll give Eddie a little freedom. Maybe we're not holding hands. He's just walking next to me. And instantly she's like, Eddie, come here, hold yeah. my hand. And I'm like, you don't Mom, have to parent. You don't have to parent. I'm the parent. You can just be 12, but it's, she's, I think unintentionally she's been put in that position just because she's hearing conversations we have or yeah. So it's, I think for her too, it just really, we forget sometimes that she isn't connecting the same because she's not a lot of patience for like, all they want to talk about is some band or something. And she's just like, yeah, that's cool. Whatever. But it's interesting. I like, I like the idea of making connections with it the, for no, all the of The typical them. 12 year old is not any interest to her <laughs> at yeah, this point. Not right now. Which is cool. I don't mind it. But yeah, she does like, you know, hanging out with older kids. I don't like that. <laughs> whatever. We'll have to watch it. I know. As a dad. So how are you keeping everyone safe in that way? Do you have any like things in place on the app to kind of keep everybody safe at the same time? Yeah. So as I mentioned, we have everyone sign terms and conditions when they sign up and then we monitor all the chatting from the back end. So like no bad or inappropriate words are even allowed to be typed on the app. And then 
if something does get through, then it gets flagged in our system and then we know, and then we could like look at those conversations. Um, and then every user also has the ability to report another user. So if anyone feels threatened or, you know, uncomfortable in any way, then it's a big red button that says report user. Um, and then you can report a user and then say, while well, you're reporting them and the same thing would happen. We would look at those conversations, email both the person who reported and the report the person who was reported mm-hmm. um, and then decide depending on what we find, whether they get banned or a warning or whatever the case is. I mean, sometimes people make like violations against people who, you know, it's not even a violation. Yeah. Um, but they just like don't know. Right. Um, I think that probably some of that is probably just normal behavior, but some of it's probably the social connect, like it connection issues. too, just not understanding right. maybe why someone's not interested in talking to you or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's like definitely very hard to like, you know, like well, it's hard to yeah. keep it safe, but like it's gone really well so far with what we have in place, but it's hard to like help them understand like what is a violation versus like not. Yes. Um, and things like that. And there's also a pop-up on there when you sign up that tells you like, you know, don't give out your personal information. If you're going to like actually meet up with someone and has to be in a public place like don't go alone like now based on your do you make suggestions like based on your data like if somebody's in a certain town or certain area like if everybody was in boston do you make suggestions on where they can meet up that's the plan for i guess when we do the actual app like i said we were just trying to like do kind of the bare minimum as it's now only because i didn't want to put like all like this money into the web app yeah right because the point was just like testing it and getting like the basics down. And then once we do the actual app, it's really more like adding all the additional features. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things that we're going to do is like suggested meetup spots. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, like if you're in Boston, maybe like this bowling alley, this restaurant, this mini golf place. And then like, you know, wherever you are, just like suggesting places in your town. And not only is that like telling them to meet in a public place, but it's also hopefully bringing business to, you know, the local places. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they'll give you some discounts to use there. I was going to say, yeah, just plug their names in. And, you know, those are <laughs> Well, that's like the things. thing for like revenue. Like that could be like a possibility is like getting these companies to like kind of like pay a certain amount of money. And then we would like tell everyone to go to like, you know, AMC or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think you're killing two birds. Honestly, like probably un- not even realizing that you're killing two birds with one stone because you're also making a lot of these places probably more inclusive than they were right before. Yeah you brought it to their attention. Cause I know like here, like there are places that aren't necessarily not inclusive, but aren't thinking that way. Yeah. Just based on, they just don't think they're going to have enough people coming in or that it's not necessary. But I think when you present that as an option, like, Hey, we can bring this many people in a month to your, to your, you know, business. It may make them think a little bit more outside the box, be a little more inclusive and welcoming to, you know, those commu- that community. Exactly. It's awesome. It's, I mean, I, I just can't get over it. Like the possibilities are like literally endless. Like that's, <laughs> I'm sure that's how she feels. She's probably overwhelmed. <laughs> oh my gosh. So how much money do you need? Like, what do we need to donate to like really get this started? Because Luckily, like, I just raised all the money. Yeah, she just did all that crowdfunding. Okay. Do you need like models for the site or anything like that? I, I, no, I've done I'm some always work. taking I'm always taking money from people. You know, my crowdfunding's still open, but um, yeah, don't say no to anyone. And so, kind of like just digging into the app. I mean, well, to digging into the future of what's going to be the app. Um, and again, with those po- like 
infinite possibilities. Um, you talk about like monitoring and stuff. Are, is that something that's going to have to be in the future? You're going to have to have like, you know, individuals that are actually there taking up, you know, so many kind of conversations constantly monitoring, or is that something where it's like just kind of prompts you to like, like, is it a computer generated? Yeah. There'll be like an algorithm that says like, well, these, this language was used. Please look at this. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it is. And it honestly happens a lot less than you would think. I mean, over the course of a year, we really haven't dealt with it much. How many current users do you have right now? How many users? Yeah. Uh, 2,200. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's a lot. Yeah. In 49 states, 25 countries, six continents. That's awesome. So that's like a great indication. Like, cause I would think like, oh, I wonder if there's anyone in our area, but hearing that it's like, there's people everywhere. I don't worry about yeah. Ireland. And what you about can like France with- and like Ireland? Let's- but you can <laughs> like connect with people outside places. of your area as well. You're just not doing like a physical meetup. Yeah, it's really cool because people do like chat people like overseas, which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, I mean, obviously what you're working on next is the app and getting that kind of going. And it sounds like that's a big undertaking. So I'm excited to see how that, how that works. We don't yeah, know. it's crazy. I haven't even announced it like publicly yet because um, I actually just got the contract this morning. So that's so exciting. Oh, nice. I know. <laughs> We're the first ones to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> what, um, first where, what do you like, you know, let's say five year goal or more. What do you see this becoming? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. Of course, I hope that we're, you know, have a lot more users and a lot more places and we're just reaching the most people possible and just helping people, which is the main goal. I try not to like get stuck on like numbers and stuff. Yeah. It's something I learned early just because like, you know, if you get like obsessed with like getting X amount of users or whatever, then it becomes like, I don't know, it just like gets like too much. So I try not to like think of like numbers or anything. I just always say that I'm trying to just help as many people as possible. And, you know, I do all the podcasts. I do all the TV stuff. I do pretty much everything that comes my way to market it and get more people to know about it. And, you know, so I'm just going to continue to do that yeah, and do what I can. And if it keeps growing, which, you know, we pretty much grow every day, which is amazing. Then of course that's like what we want. Um, yeah, but I do want to be on the Ellen show. That's the goal. I mean, (laughs) who doesn't (laughs) I have contact there after like months of actually stalking them, like no joke. Um, so we have those good morning America right before quarantine started. That's great. Yeah. I mean, actually, it's the perfect time to kind of be out there, especially like on TV because everybody's home. So they're just kind of they're available to hear. And honestly, what a better time to make connections with people when we're all stuck in a spot and everyone's feeling a little bit more lonely than even usual. So, I mean, you're also calling for virtual, like almost virtual relationships, essentially. You know what I mean? Kids are having virtual relationships with their students. I mean, they're the other students and their peers. And so it's kind of can you. Is the, is it just a chatting app or like when you switch over to the app on the phone, will there be like FaceTime type capabilities, things like that? Yeah, there is video and audio both available on the web app, especially oh, wow. for like people who are hearing or sight impaired. Oh, um, that was my next question. Yeah. How do you accommodate? Which is like, obviously, it just doesn't work that great on the web app. Yeah. Um, right. So like we do have it, obviously, for people who need it, but it's more like for people who need it. 
Um, But on the actual app, it'll be a lot easier to like, because like on the web app, you don't know if like the device they're using has a webcam or whatever. Right. Um, So with the phone, like most likely they have everything that you need to FaceTime and call and all that. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, these are all things I've spoke to my developers about and everything's on track to be, you know. Good, well, I think but. that's the best part of something like, like, you know, apps are just so popular now that like as things come up, you can probably just add or remove. Yeah, like, I mean, it really is like the process is so much like that. Like, you know, I think of something, I write it down, fit whatever, think through it, call my developers, talk to them about it. You know, and that's, that's awesome. pretty much just how the process goes. That's awesome. They're probably going crazy right now. They're just like, oh my God. Cause like you kind of like, again, you open up the floodgates. It's like, once you start rolling with an idea, it really just branches off to five different ideas into more and yeah. more and more accessibility, more, more connections, more, yeah. you know, more algorithm yeah. that's kind of breaking it down. It's gotta is, be hard to like rein in ideas. I was going to say, yourself. he's like me. Cause in the beginning I'm like, <laughs> oh, I want, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to grow and do this and that. And it just, I had to get kind of like sat down in Focused. the beginning and say like, you know, you need to focus on yeah. one thing and like try to grow in that one area. And then obviously in X amount of years, you can start to well, yeah. branch out. And if do you try to do too much at once, you're right. It's not, it doesn't work. Yeah. Crash. And you want to like, you don't want to put everything out at one time and then like in the second version have nothing new to put out, you know? Yes. Right. Yeah. You're kind of in like the beta test mode at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God! I would love to be a tester. If you get that too, that'd be great. It's on there. You can just use it. Yeah, you can. The mobile app, though. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming. Be patient. I don't use the computer. (laughs) I just use my phone. So you know, like I said, we like to ask every guest that we have that if you had thirty seconds to speak to our community, what advice would you give them? And it really doesn't have to be thirty seconds. We just kind of preface that. I don't know how many siblings you have listening, but something I always say like during interviews and stuff is that, you know, even if it's not a sibling, like it could be a cousin, a neighbor, like everyone pretty much knows people with special needs and most of the time sees issues or sees people being lonely and then just choose like not to do anything about it. Um, So I just like always call to action trying to tell people, especially young people to just like do that and like try to make changes in people's lives. Like even if you're in high school or college, like me and all my friends would like sit with people who are sitting alone, whether they had special needs or not, like, you know, people, loneliness is a very bad thing. And like people that, that one little gesture can mean so much to someone. Um, so I pretty much have prided myself on that for a long time. And like in high school, being the cheerleader and like having like all the football players be my friends, like I kind of like initiated that. So now all of a sudden, all the cheerleaders, all the football players are saying hi to these people and sitting with them. And just the whole school just became like more inclusive and, you know, less people feeling lonely and less clicky. Um, and even like my principals who like I'm still friendly with just say that they like have never seen such a thing you know like since we left the school um but like everyone has the power to do that you know so you don't have to make an app like me but you can just try to like be there for people and be inclusive and yeah I mean everybody says like a smile can go a long way especially like in those pivotal years in like middle school and high school where it's just tough for everybody period it's really easy to just feel alone even if it looks like you're not like it's just easy to feel alone so like no they teach I mean now they're teaching that in elementary schools like to say like if you see something say like be a part of it you know be make a difference and just 
speak up if you are, you know, just reach a hand out really is all it is. Like, I think be proactive. Well, I mean, in honestly, like I, I love to think this, but like in the day and age that we live now is you, it is more prominent to see you, you have those inspirational stories of the, of those things that are going on, where it's, you know, the special needs community is being involved with, you know, the, the, the typical school and you have the special needs children that are able to just partake in the sports and partake in, you know, the actual, you know, it's more inclusive, on. but at the same time, I think the but key is like, right. if you're a, if you're someone who is meeting someone in this community and thinks that they might feel alone, you might be in a better position, like you said, to make authentic friendships for them, like help them do that. Maybe you see two people who feel that way and they might seem connected. I think it's a lot easier as a third party person to say, hey, why don't we all sit together? And then you're kind of connecting somebody. I mean, kids in middle school and high school can totally do that in their community. They're seeing from the outside what's happening, who's sitting with who at lunch and things like that. I think it's a opportunity to kind of help connect people. Like you said, you don't have to be, you know, making an app or making anything like that. You can just be compassionate, connect them on a personal level. Completely. Awesome. So where can everybody find you? Social media, websites, things like that. Everything's making authentic friendships. Okay. Uh, so making authentic friendships.com, which is in the bio of making authentic friendships on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Awesome. We'll make sure we link everything to our episode as well. So everyone can kind of connect with it. And hopefully by then you'll be almost up and running with the app. And hopefully. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. Making authentic friendships is going to be making riptides everywhere. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's huge. I can't wait to actually till, till that actually the launch date and everything. Cause again, um, yeah, we'll be yeah. watching. We're going to have to sign up for the, for Eddie. For, well, Eddie's yeah. a little young, but Bella. Maybe sign us up, sign us up for sure. We need friends. We need yeah, friends. get on there. Awesome. We really appreciate you taking the time and chatting with us Thanks and being flexible with you. scheduling. I know it's been crazy. Yeah. I mean, worries. awesome. Well, thanks so much. We really appreciate you spending the time with us, Juliana. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Thank you, Juliana. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please make sure you share with a friend and leave a review. You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode on our Facebook or Instagram on at special about special. Thanks again. And we'll see you soon.